0: Hey old timey crimey listeners, before we get started, we just wanted to remind you about our giveaway. We have stickers! Don't we all
1: really have creepy strangers in our past? Too many. Too Absolutely. many. Absolutely.
0: If you have a creepy stranger story, send it to us at oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com. You might get your story told on the air. You can tell us if you want your name mentioned or not. And you'll be entered into a drawing for one of ten Old Timey limited edition logo stickers. Go find our social media for a picture of good old Slothy, our uh, our podcast-watching-listening friend. <laughs> and and he has the stickers up against his adorable belly so thanks for listening and send in your stories
1: make it creepy and sexy
0: (laughs) oh god (laughs) oh I'm gonna get so many interesting emails Sometimes it helps to have a prince in your back pocket.
1: Y'all listening to old-timey crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your host, Christy and Scott.
0: Hey, it's old-timey-crimey. I'm Christy. I'm <laughs> we Scoot. We're scooting around in our chairs. We're in Aww. a different room because I'm going to have house guests, so I had to make the guest room an actual guest room instead of the podcast room that usually is. I don't know
1: why just don't put them in the basement. <laughs> Supposedly, there are going to be more tornadoes tonight, so that's probably yeah, where we're going to end up anyway.
0: Jackson said the exact same thing. He was <laughs> like, oh, you're going to have another tornado warning podcast? I was like, yep. yeah, maybe. <gasps> It's windy as hell. It's very suitable for Halloween. It is. Which is it the is. day we're recording. As you, you know, it's obviously, they're going to hear this a week and a, a day after Halloween.
1: It is, but the weather is so bad, they had to reschedule Halloween yeah, for, right? <laughs> for a lot of the local trick-or-treaters. It's
0: like Halloween that's suitable for the mood, but not suitable for children going door-to-door. Nah, nah.
1: Halloween is great. I, I think we coddle our kids too much. I think we should have had them go out in the tornado.
0: Yes, absolutely. Make them, that's how they get strong.
1: Exactly
0: with natural disasters. And
1: you know what? That that group of kids that dressed up like the characters from The Wizard of Oz added realism.
0: Exactly. Yes. So how's your week going?
1: I've been battling with a little bit of depression to be quite mm-hmm. honestly. It's a... Uh, I, I think a lot of it is just the change in seasons. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. It's, it's that. So a lot of my life has been sitting on the couch going like...
0: <sighs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I'm fighting it With all bunch of stuff, I got like St. John's wort, and I'm fighting it using that. And watching a lot of comedies, kind of kind of toning back on the murder, which is kind of rough because murder is my business. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's hitmen and us. How about you, buddy? How's your week been?
0: Um. Well, today I wore a unicorn horn to class. That was my costume. It just was like a headband with a unicorn horn on it and like uh, sequined ears and like fake flowers in the front. And I don't know, the students seem to enjoy that. And uh, It's
1: too bad you didn't go with a horse body because then you could have been the centaur of attention.
0: <laughs> Oh, one would think I would already be that in a classroom That's where I'm teaching, but no, yeah. let me
1: ask you this i I spoke to two other teachers today mm-hmm. they all had trouble with their students today. Did you have trouble with your students?
0: um not really any trouble no okay no, not really any they they were they were basically just their usual you know the 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 ones who are always late were late and <laughs> The ones who do, who who talk the most, and I mean, like actually, like you know, raise their hand and contribute contributed mm-hmm. the most. It was pretty much more of the same. And I even gave them sugar.
1: Wow! I know,
0: right? They were funny, um, but that was just because, like, I was talking about how our Halloween party is coming up this week and this weekend, and I make um, jello shots. I should know that I teach college, so I'm not talking to high school hey. students about jello shots. Hey They're fifth graders. <laughs> want some? Me... Want some? Want some shots? <laughs> this is
1: called vodka. It's fun. <laughs> This is the juice that makes me capable of coming here every day. Yes, exactly.
0: <laughs> so I was telling them about how like, I put a little gummy worm in, mm-hmm. the, in the you know for Halloween-themed, and one of my students was like, do you soak them? And I was like, oh, you might have just changed the game. Oh, my God. And then I told my other students in my other class about that, and they were like, man, you could have given us jello shots instead of candy. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, it would be a whole different class. Yeah,
1: that would <laughs> That, yeah, that definitely would.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would change things up real quick. But they were they were a little rambunctious when we were talking about the party. But we were talking about partying, so, you know. And I think they felt a little more able to let loose when their professor is, is you know, joking more on an adult level. So.
1: Yeah. I'm I'm tempted to go back to college. I, I'm, like, doing research and getting scholarships and stuff like that. Going back for media production just so I can do this more efficiently. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but then, like, it always worries me because obviously I'd go to UPJ or, or Penn Highlands, they're the local colleges. What if I end up with you for a teacher? <laughs> when, would be extremely bothersome to me. I don't know why. But it would be just sitting there going, like, she's judging me. And then I'd come here and do the podcast, you know, she's still judging me. She hasn't <laughs> turned it off. I'm the student she hates. I'm not
0: even very judgy, <laughs> I like to think. I have had, uh, when I taught community ed classes at Penn Highlands, and that's not credit courses, so mm-hmm. it's a whole different it's a different story. But uh, Bruce, you know, Bruce. Oh, yeah. Um, He was one of my students. Okay. We would actually drive to class together because he lived fairly nearby. So he'd come to my house and then we'd drive to class together. (laughs) So it's like student and teacher driving to class together. This is normal. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) No, it's not. And neither was this.
0: This was not normal at all. There's a lot of uh, uh, abnormal going on here with uh, the life of one Madame
1: ah, Born Marguerite Marie Lebert. Welcome back to Weird Name Day.
0: It's French time and we're going to mess it up and anybody who listens from France is going to hate us. French and Egyptian.
1: Oh yes, we have the Egyptian Egyptian in there too. I have no idea. And a little bit of American in here.
0: Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, she was born in 1890.
1: December 9th, 1890.
0: Okay, yes. I only had the year, so Snoozy, <laughs> oh, look at me. Look <laughs> at, at me, you with your information. Oh, maybe I will get that A. Yeah. <laughs> her father was a cab driver and her mother was a maid, so, you know, she's not brought up into any sort of privileged existence or anything like that.
1: I loved her dad's name, Furman. 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 Furman, <laughs> Furman Aliberre.
0: And tragically, her younger brother was hit by a lorry at four years old and killed. And I just said lorry, so I'm pretty sure that must have been a British article I was reading or Australian maybe. Absolutely. Not a French one. I don't think they call it a lorry.
1: Lorraine. Lorraine. There it is.
0: And her parents blamed her because she was apparently supposed to be watching him, but she was just a kid. She was like... It didn't really specify her age, but I'm, I'm guessing 14, you know, like.
1: Yeah, somewhere around that age.
0: That's, that's a lot of responsibility to put on a, on a young kid. And to, especially, you know, four-year-olds, four-year-olds can be rambunctious. They can be impulsive and they don't realize the dangers around them. That's a lot to deal with to keep a, a, a child alive. And, you know, on
1: top of that, why blame her When, obviously, the guy should have been watching the road.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. How about the guy who was driving the lorry? So they sent her to the Sisters of Mary Boarding School. And then, at the age of 15, the boarding school placed her in a private home. She was working as a servant. Apparently, this is just... I, I have to wonder, do you think they got paid... The, the boarding school, maybe even on both sides, like, getting, like, money from uh, Marguerite's parents and money from the, the house.
1: I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be
0: surprised either. It seems uh, seems like kind of a getting, getting money out of both ends deal, so... And
1: that shiftiness occurs to this
0: very day. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And so that was age 15. By 16, she was pregnant. Yeah. An unknown father, or at least she wouldn't name the father. But we don't know who he was. She had a daughter, Raymond, who was sent to a farm in central France, and Marguerite was out on the street.
1: Yeah, the next decade, the entire next decade is pretty shaky for, for Marguerite. And honest to God, I feel bad. I feel bad for her. And it's weird whenever the bright point of an entire decade is whenever you become a prostitute.
0: Yeah, yeah, that basically I I have my heading for that section is a step up? Question yeah, mark? <laughs> definitely
1: not a lateral move. She ends up meeting this Madame Dennett. who De, ran um, Denan?
0: I I, I I have it being spelled This is where your handwriting is coming in again. Uh-huh. I have it being spelled D E N A R T so Dana. Okay. Or Denar. I'm not sure I if you pronounce that. how how much you would pronounce the R.
1: I was it's definitely an N that I have written here. But I was half asleep whenever I did this, so I'm not gonna lie. We'll call her Madame Denar.
0: Denar, yes. She owned a brothel. And one day. Not
1: yeah. just any brothel, though. She ran a hotzey totzi bar. Oh, a
0: hotzey brotzel bratzel. Yes. <laughs> bratzel. Would you like a bratzel? Mm, that's
1: a, a bratzel brot- with some mustard. That's a bratwurst wrapped in a pretzel. I think yeah. we've just made a food.
0: That sounds fucking delicious. Isn't doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds really really good. <laughs> let's let's go have dinner.
1: I let's... think we've just made a food. I think I really we have yeah, a the bratwursts. <laughs>
0: yes. So Madame Denard one day would say of Marguerite that she was. Quote, the mistress of nearly all my best clients, gentlemen of wealth and position in France, England, America, and other countries, it was me that made a sort of lady of her. So taking the credit, but it seems like, you know, she did really like bring her up to that position.
1: Right, right. And it's it's a thing. Madame Denar <laughs> I bet she was just uh, I'm sorry. She seems like a nice person, but I bet she was used up so much. <laughs> I bet her genitalia looked like a lasagna that had been punched.
0: But she went on to be a successful business owner of a brothel, that's you know? True. Like that's, that's true. she she probably, you know, very well could have had the same kind of upbringing or a similar, you know, like tra- tragic, difficult upbringing as Marguerite did, and we don't know very much about her that I did. I did at least I didn't research too far I couldn't her life. find
1: anything about her
0: i think she's really only known because of her association with marguerite
1: probably because i've been spelling her name wrong (laughs) that
0: might (laughs) have had something to do with it so in 1907 marguerite meets andre and here again i don't know whether to pronounce ours or not i'm gonna say melee um and she is 17 he is 40. he is also married (laughs) but he likes her Of course, she's 17. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's that uh, easy to manipulate, you know, and also, you know, like fresh and young and all that, you know... Pedophile? Grossness stuff. Yeah. Like, you're
1: really on the border of being a pedophile. In some areas you are, and in some areas you're not.
0: Really, depends on local laws. Yeah. In France, I would imagine, probably not. They're they're more libertine with with stuff like that. Gray
1: area pedophilia.
0: (laughs) Yeah, gray area. So... He is rich. He had a stable of horses. Marguerite loved that. She loved mm. her horses. She'd get some for herself Most later on little girls line. do. Yes, yes, which is fairly uncomfortable <laughs> to think about. He got an apartment for her to live in for their secret tryst. This is getting skeevier and skeevier this as really we go. Is. She actually went to claim him as her husband. Like she would say, you know, this is Andre. He's my husband. And I will note he was still married. That doesn't stop a lot of the people that we talk about. No, no, it really, really doesn't. Uh, <laughs> that seems to be a theme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Marriage vows that somebody took at some point in time—not really a barrier for some of these people who would eventually also commit murder. Maybe, maybe we've
1: hit like like a uh, a gateway drug. If it were bigamy, is a gateway drug to murder. <laughs>
0: yes, I think there's a lot of gateway drugs to murder. Unfortunately, this was actually a long-lasting relationship, at least as far as you know, like she was concerned. Uh, 1913 is when it ended. So, six years. That's they were not together, bad. That's not bad. And enough for her to actually become an adult.
1: Yeah. And this is, this is longer than both, either of my marriages.
0: So, yeah. I mean, it wasn't a marriage, but she claimed it was. Good on you. So, in 1917, she would go on to meet Prince Edward VIII, who would eventually have a short run as the King of England. Um... Random Edward fact, would you like to hear?
1: I'd love to hear a random Edward fact.
0: Yoda talking like, why am I? <laughs>
1: I don't know. <laughs> Yoda's awesome, that's why. <laughs> yeah, that is true. He's little, he's green. I, I was really upset with the prequels, the way the the way the way prequels kind of displayed Yoda, because I wanted him to have a full head of hair. Mm-hmm. I thought that, you know, Yoda shouldn't look as old as he did in the other one. Give him a full head of, maybe an afro, <laughs> a goatee uh maybe a little pick in his (laughs) hair with uh, the fist coming out of it and a little lightsaber coming out of the fist and you know him saying "Mm, you're the fizz horse you will
0: (laughs) (laughs) that joke has taken it back a while (laughs) yes it
1: has i've been waiting a long time to use that and i I saw my opportunity and i went for it
0: just checking those items right off the bucket list Mm -hmm. there so this when you google uh monarchs that comes up with the who how long lived they were in relation to other monarchs okay. so Edward the eighth, lived to 28,463 days and he is the fourth longest among British monarchs really? he lived to 77 years. Very a lot of that was not him actually reigning because he did uh, abdicate for um a, a, because he wanted to marry a divorcee from America and they, they back then they were like and it's so much with that. Oh,
1: yeah, we're <laughs> still dealing with that bullshit. Meghan Markle's putting up with a lot of shit lately. Because they said she's colonial, meaning that they don't like the fact that she's part black.
0: Yes, and also there's there's a little something in there that's sort of insulting in that whole colonial thing, as if we're still colonies. Yes. So it's like a double whammy. That's 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 very mean spirited British humor. I usually what? like British humor, but that's very mean spirited. That 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 sharp acid tongue should be used yeah. to put to good use and not to mean use. Quit
1: being a dick, England.
0: Yeah, come on, England so yeah he uh he lived to seventy seven years uh he was at the time serving with British troops in France. It was World War one. He was not a virgin. He had borrowed a courtesan from a friend mm. borrowed <laughs> I'm going
1: to loan you two hundred dollars <laughs> with this two hundred dollars. you'll buy yourself a prostitute. <laughs> And then give her to me so that God looks upon me favorably.
0: <laughs> yes, that's basically how it apparently worked in his head.
1: But I need to get up in them guts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and at the age of 23, his friends were like, hmm, you still need more experience, bro. Like, you need to get out there. So uh, how about this uh, this Marguerite girl while you're on leave? Why don't you, why don't you hook up with, with her? And... There was even some, uh, some dominatrix fun in there. She, he seemed to be more passive, and she was definitely a take-charge kind of gal, so uh, that, that worked for their relationship while it, while it lasted.
1: Not my cup of tea. You know, if it is somebody's cup of tea, that's fine, but not my cup of tea. I had a, I had a, a tête-à-tête with a lady a few months ago, and she started spouting off, like, insults to me while we're in the sack together. No, I, I stopped it. and went, no, you have to leave. I, no. You either oh stop it or you leave.
0: Oh, no.
1: <laughs> Save your orders for somebody else.
0: <laughs> oh, goodness. Wow. <laughs> well, hey, you know, if it's not working for you, you know, it's not working. It's going it, to ruin the mood.
1: And it did. It really did.
0: I think those things need to be discussed beforehand.
1: Absolutely.
0: So... Edward, Prince Edward, wrote her about 20 letters over their 18-month-long relationship. He would call her baby. bébé. Bébé. I have no idea. Um, he would talk about the war effort. He would talk shit on his dad, also known as the king. And, of course, there was some sexy talk in there. And um,
1: English sexy talk.
0: There's, <laughs> there's, there's, there's nothing sexier. There's a
1: disturbing thought. <laughs> you know... Those uh, those horrible teeth you have really turned me on.
0: This is the people who came up with a food. I think it's the Brit- the Brits that came up with blood sausage. Yeah. And they're calling something blood sausage, and then you eat that. I don't even know. Like I don't even know how, what your vocabulary is doing there. So no,
1: no, it's just it's it's just horrible. It's I, I would I would consider moving to England if it wouldn't be for the food.
0: I've had good food there. I didn't you know wasn't there very long but I did have good food while I was there. Okay. So I mean it's I just didn't have very much british food. It's <laughs> like curry or something. There it is. There <laughs> okay. it is. So and they have fish and chips? I mean come on. That's good. Yeah, Obviously. I would love a place with chip stands. If we just had uh, chip stands around like just selling me fries at stands, I would be all about that. We
1: have long john silvers.
0: And...
1: I'm one of those guys that keeps long john silvers open. <laughs> I, I don't know of anybody else that goes to Long John Silvers except for me.
0: Yeah, I, I've eaten there once, and I think that was enough. It might have been more than enough. No. Long John Silvers, now our new sponsor. Yeah, thanks. S- so those letters, when which he was just very blabbermouthy, um, they came back to bite Edward in the ass. Not quite so much yet. She did, not the
1: way he liked to be bitten in the way ass. he liked,
0: No. <laughs> They, you, did, they ended the relationship. He got a little bored, I guess, around the summer of 1918. And we don't have the letter in which she blackmailed him uh, because he apparently actually did burn a lot of his letters. But he wrote a letter to his advisor in which he said, I'm going to try it. I'm going to hate myself for it. And I'm going to lay awake at one o'clock this morning thinking, why did I do that? But I'm going to try it. Oh, those bloody letters. And what a fool I was not to take your advice over a year ago. I'm afraid she's the 100,000 pounds or nothing type, though I'm disappointed and didn't think she'd turn nasty. Of the whole trouble is my letters, and she's not burnt one. Holy shit, that, that was really good. <laughs> Thank you. Nicely done. I thought it was going to segue into Australian like it always does. <laughs> no, that was great. <laughs> Thank
1: you. That was really good.
0: We've actually been planning on like practicing British accents like with YouTubers something, and I never got around to it. So here's to procrastination. There we go. I've just been thinking about it. Apparently it worked.
1: <laughs> hey, Nicely like, done. I'm
0: very happy with myself right now.
1: Now, they met, whenever they met in 1917, they met at the Hotel de Crayon.
0: Oh, yes, yes, yes.
1: This place has a history. This this was an amazing hotel. This place was built in 1758. On February 6, 1778, the United States and France signed their first treaties. So Ben Franklin, Silas Dean, Arthur Lee, they meet the French diplomat Conrad Alexandre uh, Gerard de Reneval. They conclude their French American treaty, which recognizes the Declaration of Independence and a trade agreement with uh with the United States further on, 1793. King Louis the uh, 16th and Marie Antoinette are guillotined in front of the Hotel de Curleon. Oh my. And I mean, this I had a lot of visitors. It's been visited by this is a this is a wonderful group of people here. Theodore Roosevelt, Winston Churchill, Madonna, and Taylor Swift.
0: <laughs> That's quite the variety. I'm imagining not
1: at the same time. I imagine they didn't come as a group. And uh, and and get in there and 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 enjoy each other's company. i because uh, several of them were dead before the other ones were on. Maybe Madonna and Taylor Swift. I don't know, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it's actually quite the uh, quite the historic residence.
0: That's something. Um, I actually the reason I'm doing this is because I have. I was curious about the whole Hotel Creon thing because you say they met there. I wasn't sure if I had that anywhere, but I do have that. Her next dude. Um, Charles Laurent, his family owned the Hotel Crayon. So oh. it's like maybe that's. But maybe that's that could be where they met too. Yeah. Um, April
1: 1917 meets Edward, Prince of Wales at Hotel de Crayon in Paris. Okay.
0: All right. Cool. It, it could have just been like somewhere she hung out a lot. And yeah. I, that's how she ended up like both meeting him there and then her next guy actually owned, you know, his family owned it because, you know, and probably saw her in the lobby a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. All right. Cool. That's. uh, it's funny that we have that in like different places in our notes because I'm just about to talk about that. But, but yeah, that's that's quite the history for it this really place. Is.
1: It really is.
0: So basically, she she gave up the blackmail for the moment. Uh, we'll say she, she she hit pause on the blackmail. Just started hooking up with with rich dudes, and they'd give her valuable stuff. They'd give you know I'm sure there's jewelry in there, maybe a car here or there. You know, just just doing her thing. And she also, uh, when, when she and Malay, uh called it quits, she got a settlement from him, even though she'd never actually been married to him. 200,000 francs. Um, they had really violent fights. He was super jealous. So imagine being in a relationship with a sex worker, probably not going to work out for him psychologically, emotionally. Yeah. You know, that's probably something he probably should have realized earlier. Um, and yeah, I did try to do the currency conversion on this, but doing conversion of... of Francs like, before, like, 1965, I think it is, is really difficult because, like, there's all kinds of stuff going on. I spent about 20 minutes trying to do this and finally just gave up. So just know that to, it, one book said that was, like, I think, 150 pounds. No, 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 no. Uh, her, her next settlement is 450 pounds. Yeah, obviously, <laughs>
1: we're in the wrong business. <laughs>
0: right? Yeah. But that seemed wrong to me because, I don't know. I just, I couldn't figure it out, so I gave up. So that happened. So then she has her... First real husband uh, Charles Laurent. Uh, This starts in uh, they marry in 1919, and they they last forever and ever or six months. Yeah, six months.
1: At least they made it to 1920. So it was a late 1919 marriage. They get to 1920. Yay.
0: Yay, we made it into a new decade. Let's okay. let's go our separate ways. Please. Even
1: though it's six months, we can call it two years because it was 1919 to 1920. We can fudge the facts. And
0: also, you're going to give me a lot of money, too. So. Yeah. So he was young. He was in the Air Force. He had a rich family. They owned the Hotel Creon that you just gave us the, the fascinating history of. They also had a, a department store in the Grand Magasin du Louvre, Hello. which I was, our, our, our hotel for our first few days in, in Paris was right uh, across from the Louvre area. So I was pretty close to there. I actually probably like walked by it or near it. I love looking at that stuff on the map. <laughs> like, I was doing my research and Jackson was like across from me and I'm like, what was the name of the hotel we stayed at? And he was like, it was Hotel Voltaire. And I was like, oh, that's right, Voltaire. I don't know why I blank on that. And then so I, I looked it up and he's like, why are you asking me this? Aren't you supposed to be researching? And I'm like, but I am. <laughs> French story. So, yeah, he wasn't really the partying type. And what he wanted was a little happy housewife, you know, like dutiful and submissive. And that S-word is really not our girl Marguerite. I shouldn't call her our, our girl. She's going to murder somebody. Spoilers. Um, but so the marriage dissolved uh, in March of 1920. Like you said, they lasted two years slash six months. Mm-hmm. And she ended up with thirty six thousand francs annually.
1: That's a good. That's a good little chunk of change annually.
0: Annually, which she would then, uh, I believe, she lost that because it was alimony. She lost it when she for her her next marriage. Uh, so that did happen. But my rough calculations, I think that's about six thousand dollars modern money U S D. But I I'm not sure. So. But it was, at the time, enough money for an apartment, servants, a stable of ten horses with a full-time groom, and not one, no, 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 not one, two limousines. Which aren't the limousines of our day. It's just basically what we think of when we think of an old-timey car. Mm -hmm. You know, like, just a little bit longer, like two feet.
1: I was once run over by a limousine took forever
0: <laughs> I was like I had that moment that I have sometimes when you say things where I was like all right is there gonna be a punchline or is this an this actual a, story no, this,
1: I'm lying I've never been run over by a limousine I mean,
0: you've had a really interesting life how you do I know really have yeah.
1: really have <laughs> so you know what that that makes me feel good the fact that I can tee up a joke and nobody goes eh eh where's it going <laughs> No, let's see where Scott takes this.
0: <laughs> yes, exactly. I'm like, wait for it. This could happen. I'm, I'm not sure what I'm waiting for yet, but I'm going to wait for it patiently. <laughs> just,
1: just to give you guys an idea of like the last week that I had, on Saturday, I married somebody. But you...
0: <laughs> you I was see... the
1: reverend. Yes. I was the reverend.
0: You know how that sounds. Like yeah. Now, that
1: now I know. No, I didn't.
0: <laughs> okay. Because how, how would you say it? How would you say it? I married two people? No. See? I was the officiant at a wedding. Yeah, that's how you have to do it.
1: (laughs) But the officiant at a wedding, uh, maybe I was seating people there. But if you say, I married somebody... No, the
0: officiant is definitely the person really? who does the actual... Conducts the marriage ceremony. Yeah.
1: Anyway, I was the reverend at a wedding. I
0: think you're thinking ushers. Ushers are the yeah. people who
1: see people. Yeah. Yeah. So, and this is... That wasn't even the first time that I did that. It
0: was not the first time. <laughs> and the first time was freaking hilarious.
1: You can see videos of it on YouTube. <laughs> yes,
0: yes. It's been watched a lot. So, she's living the life, our Marguerite here. And in 1921, she meets... Ali Kamal Fahmi Bey, uh, and Bey apparently is not his actual last name. His last name is Fami, as you know, she, mm-hmm. she's known as Madame Fami. Uh It's the equivalent of a lord, maybe a governor, sort of. I saw different things in different places.
1: Source Sources very Sources very wildly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And he was, his family was super rich off of the cotton trade. Really, really rich. He was quite the playboy, it was said. He was rumored to be gay, though. Yes, yes. He was
1: rumored to be gay, but he was also what we, we would uh, call today a douchebag.
0: Yes, he was very much. So you should know, his annual income was 40,000 pounds, which you can do the uh, conversion of pounds to...
1: Ounces. dollars.
0: <laughs> Wrong thing. <laughs> Damn it. We're not cooking, Scott. Um, that's about three point two million dollars in U.S. U.S. currency today. So, Damn. did you hear about his speedboat? I did hear about his speedboat. What oh my gosh! Tell them about speedboat. Douche bag. incredible douchebag. Incredible douchebag.
1: So he had a four hundred and fifty horsepower speedboat that he would just fucking scream down the Nile. Yeah. He'd be be there like smiling, sunglasses on, laughing. Now. You're thinking, oh, that's not so bad. No, the Nile was heavily populated with other boats. Yeah. And this thing was just... The wake that this thing would leave would just be so strong that it would threaten to capsize other boats, push other boats into the shore uh just from its wake and yeah oh and you're going okay well like yeah he likes to have fun he also forced butt stuff yes on marguerite yes so often that she suffered from external hemorrhoids
0: you're getting way ahead of ourselves Wow. (laughs) but it is on topic with how much of an ass he was yes oh god no pun jesus i'm gonna cover (laughs) my face now for the rest of the episode this is me
1: you should be (laughs) shamed
0: i am very ashamed so he had it was it was improper for her to approach him, and he couldn't approach her directly. So there's this whole dance going on where he has to have a friend introduce them. And this happened uh, in uh, May. I have May 1922, but then I also have that they met in 1921. So I think it's a little blurry as far as so the dates are concerned.
1: He actually first encounters her uh, escorting a businessman in mm-hmm. Egypt. Okay. In 1921, he sees her several more times in Paris. And I have it that he is formally introduced to her in July of 1922.
0: Sources very, very widely. And he, uh, he did propose to her. She was sort of hesitant, but eventually she went to live with him in Cairo. Well,
1: the way he proposed to her was kind of a dick move.
0: I don't know about this. Tell me about oh. this.
1: So... He, he ends up taking her on this amazing tour of gambling and entertainment venues in Deauville, Biarritz, and Paris, mm-hmm. right? So their time's over. She goes back to the escorting, and he returns to Egypt, and he can't get her out of his head. Cannot. So he invites her back to Egypt, and she goes, no, 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 I'm staying in Paris. And finally, he sends a message to her that he's dying, And wants to see her again. Emotionally
0: manipulative bastard.
1: That he can't live without her. Apparently, he's dying of my (laughs) And she goes to him, and that's what he goes "I, I can't live without you. And she ends up marrying him because money.
0: Yeah, and his family was very against it because money. There was a clause that she demanded, there were a couple clauses on both sides. She demanded a clause that said that she could dress in Western clothing. Uh, she, 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 that's what she wanted to do. And that she would be allowed to divorce him bec- because that's what she wanted to do. Uh, <laughs> it was mm-hmm. kind of her, her, her little, you know, like modus operandi here. On his side, he required her to convert to Islam and that way he could get his inheritance because if she's not, you know, of the Muslim faith, then he can't get his inheritance, mm-hmm. is my understanding. But then just before the wedding... He tosses the divorce clause.
1: Allowing him to take up to three wives. Yeah, he adds
0: another clause that adds, yeah. Yeah, that, that, adds that, that he could have three wives. So he basically he really screwed her over with that whole, like, prenup or whatever you want to call it deal. They were married in a civil ceremony in December 1922 and then a Muslim wedding in January 1923. And he's 22. She's 32 at this point. Mm-hmm. We've, we've jumped pretty far ahead in her, her life with her, you know, like, relationships and everything. And they just go around calling themselves Prince and Princess Fahmy. And he's claiming that he's related to King Fawad. I have no idea if I said that right. But yeah, I don't know if
1: I've said anything right. <laughs> Quite honestly, I have enough trouble with English, much less this fucking jumble of like, fucking Scrabble letters pulled out of a bag.
0: I have one of our, our, our items on our list of cases to do marked Super International, so that should be interesting. When we really <laughs> want to just screw ourselves over, let's go for that one. Awesome. If we're like, you know what would be fun? If we mispronounce literally every word on the podcast, that Let, would be great.
1: Let's do that as a live show. I want, <laughs> yes. see, I want to see the shock and dismay on people's faces as I butcher every fucking word that pours out of my goddamn mouth
0: i want people yelling corrections from the audience Mm. that i can't hear because i'm on stage exactly
1: (laughs) it's pronounced (laughs) flops you cocksucker
0: so yeah we're we're doing great here yeah (laughs) so yeah he's claiming relation to the king and uh she in her memoirs she noted that he had to have three telephones in any hotel room that he stayed at
1: because apparently, like, 20 feet is too far to walk to make a call.
0: Exactly, yes. Don't want to use those legs too much. Um, and then, of course, the speedboat and everything. And, uh, oh, yeah, these, these boats that were rocked and up against the bank would shatter all the pottery in them. And uh, as she put it, the occupants climb out and shower curses after the boat and its passengers. And I can't blame them one bit.
1: But whenever there's pot, potters shatter... Sometimes you get a vial of holy water. Sometimes a heart that allows you to throw the holy water. Sometimes a boomerang in the shape of a crucifix. We're
0: in a video game, aren't we? Yes, Yes, Castlevania. Okay. (laughs) Damn it. They, they, uh, They fought all the time and frequently in public. Again, she's not the proper submissive type. And he probably even more so than any of the French gentlemen that she was with wanted that because of of tradition and cultural reasons. You
1: you hate to make the stereotype, but let's look at the culture he is coming from. Oh,
0: exactly. Where
1: a woman is viewed more so more so in this culture at this time than probably any part of the world property.
0: Yes. Yes. Very much so, and I I don't think, I don't even know if we're stereotyping so much as just like saying how it was. Yeah. I mean, and it's not only there. Women were viewed as, we, at this point in time in America, we'd had the vote for like, I think, two years? Yeah. Women had, women had been able to vote for all of two, well, I guess they were married in 1922, so four years. I think it was 1918, I believe, when we got the vote.
1: Oh, well, then you need to rescind everything you just said. America's great. USA, (laughs) USA.
0: Somewhere, Beast is listening. And yelling if I got oh, that yeah. date wrong. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She got, his, she, she, she got to us both this past week. I got the text messages. You got it in person, I hear. <laughs> I, I did. I did. Hi, Beast. We know you're yelling. We say things wrong to make you mad.
1: Beast, you still forgot your microphone. It's still <laughs> at my place.
0: Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, they uh, they fought constantly. She He always said that she was humiliating him. Uh, I have a quote from a letter that he wrote to her sister, Yvonne who apparently caused some strife in their relationship too. So uh, one thing I read just quickly and passing in a book was that she lived with them for a little while. He sent her away. So he sent Yvonne away uh, because apparently there was, or maybe she demanded that Yvonne be sent away because there was some closeness between uh, Fahmy and Yvonne. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, a little little family issues there.
1: Working on that second, uh, second wife. Yeah,
0: really. <laughs> And so he said, quote, "Just now, I am engaged in training her, Marguerite obviously mm-hmm. yesterday, to begin with, I did not come in to lunch or to dinner, and I also left her at the theater. With women, one must act with energy and be severe, no bad habits. yikes.
1: Fami often beat Marguerite. oh yes, yes, there was no secret to it, and he had you're going to see like in certain articles about him, they're like, oh, they had servants with them all the time. No, he had houseboys.
0: He had houseboys who would watch her.
1: Yeah, even whenever she was undressed.
0: Exactly, yeah. And
1: at one point, she complained. She complained about the houseboy watching her, and he goes, and Fami looks at her and goes, ah, he's barely human. He doesn't count.
0: Oh, no. What he said was, hang on a second, I got a, a it's a little bit of a head. Okay. Hmm. Okay, um, oh yeah, it's right, okay, but there's a little bit more. Okay. Quote, he is nobody, he does not count, but he has the right to come here or anywhere you may go and tell me what you are doing. So even somebody that in his eyes does not count as human still has more rights than she does. Mm -hmm. I think that says a lot right there. Um, again, we have, we have her, that that's actually from when she was on the stand. Yeah. Uh, uh, Spoiler alert again. I mean, you know, you know what podcast you're listening to. You know, somebody's going to kill somebody and her name was on the podcast. So you could probably assume it was going to be her. At
1: the very least there's going to be theft.
0: Yes. something. Somebody's going to slap somebody. Maybe it might be a ghost, but somebody will get slapped.
1: You know, and you know, it's not, it's not just the heart they're stealing here. It's cold, hard cash and a life.
0: Yes. Yes. So she's, she's making a list of all of his abuses and people were like, "Mm, I think she's getting ready to do her divorce thing again. But then again, there's that clause that he had thrown out that she could, you know, divorce him. So she probably pretty much is stuck here. So July 1st, 1923, they arrive at the Savoy hotel. Fun Savoy Hotel fact for you.
1: Ooh, I like Savoy Hotel facts.
0: It is the only place in England where uh, you drive on the right side of the road. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the courtyard leading up to it. You drive on the right side of the road. Uh, you are required to. It's part of, partly the way it's set up that you kind of have to, but it also does help, or did help back in the days of like carriages, because women would sit on the right side. Or am I doing this right? Right side. Yeah. So you're coming up uh, through the the courtyard and that way the, you know, I don't know what you want to call him—usher, bellman, whoever—he could open the carriage door, and she would be able to just alight from the carriage and just trip lightly into the hotel without having to go around the carriage or in front of the horses or anything inconvenient like that. I see. So yes, the Savoy Hotel—I did a little looking at it. Um,
1: Quite hoity-toity.
0: This was where, uh, in uh, in the eighteen nineties, uh, Oscar Wilde had trysts with what were called. Uh, Rent Boys. That's yeah, a great musical. <laughs> it really is. I saw it live.
1: Right on. I really
0: did. Right <laughs> on. In like the 90s in high school. We I, went to see it.
1: I've only ever seen the movie. I've only ever seen the movie. And it's got the guy from the new Star Trek in.
0: Ah, so, yes. Yeah. yeah, it was really, really good live. So uh, Other notable guests that year included Ooh. Fred and Adele Astaire.
1: Oh, and they're tripping the light fantastic. They
0: really are. And some golfer dude whose name I did not write down but I did see a picture of him on top of the Savoy Hotel uh, looking like he was about to fire a golf ball at the top, and all I could think of was like, what poor soul, you know, just walking around shoveling coal or something is going to get that golf ball in the frickin' noggin, you know? I, I
1: like to imagine it's a street urchin. It's it, going to get...
0: going to be a street Sir, urchin. I, if I sweep your chimney out, could I get more porridge? <laughs> oh! <laughs> Good sound effects.
1: Thank you very much.
0: So, yeah, they, uh, they on... They get to the hotel. A few days later, she calls the hotel doctor, Dr. Gordon, about those external hemorrhoids that she mentioned. Mm-hmm. That she mentioned. Well, she mentioned them to him. And you mentioned them earlier. Yes. Uh, everybody has mentioned the hemorrhoids. And now <laughs> you have, too. Episode title. <laughs> <laughs> um, she tells him that uh, her husband had, quote, torn her by unnatural intercourse, unquote, and was always pestering her for this kind of sex.
1: Okay, you have to use a lot of lube. You have to be gentle. There's a little technique I like to call ringing the doorbell.
0: Oh, Christ. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to keep going.
1: Okay. Because I don't want to hear it. Okay. (laughs) So. If this finger could talk. (laughs) Don't, nope,
0: nope. (laughs) So she repeatedly asked Dr. Gordon if he will write her up a certificate about her physical condition. Like basically giving her some proof. Because she was like, well, my husband's just going to say I'm making it up. And Dr. Gordon declines here's a shout out to all the doctors that we've talked about who have failed at doing mm-hmm. their duty as doctors and uh it's not a nice shout out it's a uh, go to hell shout out yeah and so I hope it, it's old timey crimey, so he's most likely already long dead and I, and I hope he's burning
1: yeah he has to have surgery for it though
0: yeah, she has and to have a surgery for it, and yeah, that actually starts a fight with them.
1: This is probably the fight. This is probably the fight that Fami would end up regretting. Marguerite wants the surgery done in Paris. Fami wants it done in London. Mm-hmm. For what reason? I don't know. Yeah, I don't
0: know why that's a point of contention. If maybe there was a particular particular doctors they wanted, or if she would just feel more comfortable in Paris, I'm not sure. Probably
1: it was just something to argue about. They had yeah. gotten to a point in their relationship where, like, arguing, you started to argue because that's your life.
0: Oh, my God. It was it was bad. They were having this argument, some of it in the hotel dining room. They had gone to see the merry widow. Oh. She's just basically dripping with irony at this point, or about to be. Yeah. And they're having dinner in the hotel dining room. The band leader comes up to them and he's checking to see if they want any requests. And she doesn't speak any English. So I'm sure the play was super fun for her. So she says in French, I don't want music. My husband has threatened to kill me tonight. The band leader thinks that she's just being funny. You know, and he just says, I hope you will still be here tomorrow, madame. Oh, she will. (laughs) Oh, she will. Somebody else won't.
1: Don't you worry.
0: At one point during dinner, She picks up a wine bottle and goes, you shut up or I'll smash this over your head. And Ali replied, if you do, I'll do the same to you. This is in the dining room. This is literally disrupting people's meals in an expensive hotel.
1: Yeah. And the Merry Widow. Oh, my God. I I need to see. I need to see this movie. They made it into a movie. Yes. Um, But that night, it was being headlined by two... Fairly famous actors, mm-hmm. uh, Evelyn Kane and Carl Brisson.
0: Evelyn Kane, my gosh, is she a looker? Yeah. My goodness.
1: Oh my God. For those that are curious, The Merry Widow is about a rich widow and her countrymen's attempts to keep her money in their country by finding her a husband. Mm-hmm. And it just. They were arguing
0: during this, they were arguing during dinner. It was just nonstop. Yeah. And at one point, he leaves for a little while. Uh, he takes a cab towards the Piccadilly. Um, there's speculation that he was either looking for an unlicensed nightclub or uh, a sex worker of either gender. They go to bed about 1.30 or so, and we have a porter here who ends up being you know, quite the, the witness to a lot of stuff. He passes by, and Fami, Bay Fami, comes tearing out of the room. His face is scratched, and he says, Look at my face! Look at what she's done! And the porter's just like, shh. So, to
1: hell. Quit being a little bitch.
0: Come on, dude. I, I got a job to do. I got to port things. I don't I, know what a porter does.
1: I know your wife. This is, you know what? People pay her $50 a night to do this.
0: You're getting it for free, man. Oh, Jesus,
1: man. Get in there, man. Just tap that well used ass. But quietly, please.
0: Please. So, uh, at 2 a.m., she had been keeping a Browning 32 under her pillow. And uh, guess who gets shot?
1: Yeah, repeatedly.
0: Three times.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And there's a there's there's a thunderstorm raging outside, and the porter still hears it. He comes around the corner. Madame Fami tosses the gun aside, uh, stumbles toward the porter. Uh, Bay Fami, uh, he Fami is bleeding from his temple. There's a splinter of brain and bone there. Yeah, <laughs> we have very different reactions to that. Yes, we do. And she says. I, I I prepared this last night, or no, two nights ago. I had my research done Tuesday night. Can you believe that? Awesome. I know, right? Qu'est-ce que je fais, mon cher? What have I done, my dear? Over and over again, she just keeps on saying, qu'est-ce que je fais, mon cher? I, you French people can po- point at my pronunciation all you want. I think I did good there. I, I think so. The hotel manager comes to the scene, and Marguerite says, Oh, sir, I have been married six months, which has been torture for me. I have suffered terribly. And then she's arrested.
1: Yeah, he, she, he has been shot in the head, the neck, the back, the pussy, and the crack. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> uh, they actually transport Ali Fahmi to uh, the Charing Cross Hospital, and he died in about an hour. Charing Cross is a teaching hospital, mm. so they have some notable alumni uh, John Bloxham, the pioneering uh, plastic surgeon, uh, Viscount Addison, who uh, named Addison's transpyloric uh, plane, which is a surgical landmark. It's it's roughly in the same place in every human being, so you can find different organs uh, based on this landmark. Uh, Herbert Barry, the country's uh, who created the country's first neonatal ambulance, and then Doctor David Livingstone. The Explorer.
0: Doctor Livingstone, I presume? Yes. That's the one. He
1: was he was an alumni of this hospital.
0: Wow, I had no idea.
1: Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I found that interesting. The there's a lot of like, we need to do a podcast on just buildings.
0: Yes, yes, we could. We could do one on, on the Hotel Creole. We could do one on the Savoy. There's a lot Absolutely. there, too. We could do one on uh, the, the Charing Cross Hospital. Yeah, this is another spectacle trial. Uh, it's it's one of those cases where you have people having their servants save them seats. You have crowds surrounding the building, people paying for spots in the courtroom. There's a lot of witnesses to this. It seems like it's going to be an open and a shut case. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It is presumptive over by mr justice rigby swift Ooh. which if that isn't the name of a main character in a like british young boys adventure novel i don't know what is rigby I... swift can you imagine all the all the adventures he has and misadventures too many misadventures god
1: isn't isn't swift the last name of the guy who sells flex tape
0: Possibly. I have no I think idea. It's
1: Phil Swift.
0: Maybe. Maybe they're related. <laughs>
1: you know, Flex tape would have been around. Maybe uh, Maybe Ali Fahmi would still be around, too. <laughs> A slap of that on some of those holes. <laughs> Everything's just fine.
0: And uh, it's uh, many young women in attendance. Again, we, we have the. Uh, <laughs> The association with women and true crime has gone for many, many decades. This is not a new thing. We know that uh, women tend to gravitate towards the true crime genre. It's not just women. Obviously, there's lots of men, too. Uh, Hi. (laughs) Hi, hi, Hello. (laughs) I
1: I think my fascination with it, though, is more of my fascination with the strange and unusual.
0: Yeah, yeah. And my fascination is what can I do so I don't die horribly. Yeah, (laughs) that and other things. There's many other. I like uh, I like mysteries and things that are unsolved and I like you know stuff like that. So I have have lots of different reasons.
1: The unsolved gives me such a mind boner. (laughs) It really
0: does. (laughs) So yeah, there's a lot of uh, of young women in attendance in the gallery. This is defended by. Sir Edward Marshall Hall, who was called... This is what he was known as, people. The Great Defender. Mm -hmm. And Sir Henry Curtis Bennett. And I have the note here that both serial killers and 1920s British lawyers seem to all have three names. Yeah. (laughs) I think
1: I know why. Like, uh, serial killers and assassins usually go by three names. Because if your name happens to be Lee Oswald... Then you can go. No, I'm Lee Stephen Oswald, yes. not Lee Harvey Oswald.
0: And I think for for you know like British barristers of the day, maybe it's, it's just a sort of a it's, it does sound more impressive. Yeah. Especially the British names. You know, mine, Kristen Lynn Baxter. No, that does not sound very. Uh...
1: Douglas Scott Mort. <laughs> actually, no,
0: actually, that's works. pretty bad. Yours works. Yeah, no, that's
1: pretty pretty good. Pretty good. He had some notable clients. Uh, let me start that over. Edward Marshall Hall had some pretty notable clients. Uh, briefly, Dr. Crippen.
0: Ah, uh, our yeah. old friend Dr. Crippen. But
1: he couldn't stand Dr. Crippen. And Nobody could. <laughs> yep. Uh, he was a uh, he was the lawyer of Frederick Seddon, a poisoner. And George Joseph Smith, a killer as well. And now we have uh, two more people to put on the list for shows. <laughs> yes,
0: isn't that fun how That's that happens? It just spirals outward.
1: There's the list oh I got from just this. Yeah,
0: it's quite the list, guys.
1: Yeah, I actually have a list of show ideas here. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight, uh, just eight show topics that we got from researching this. And this is pretty standard.
0: Yeah, yeah. Week
1: to week that we find about eight to ten yeah. new ideas for a show.
0: The list just keeps on keeps on growing. So this trial is not only a sensation in uh, in Britain... It's a big sensation in Egypt. Uh, The newspaper Al-Aram had an exclusive on the court transcripts for the country. And one correspondent said he tried to buy a copy, and the newsboy said, quote, even if you could pay all the money there is in Egypt, you wouldn't be able to buy a copy of Al-Aram dealing with the Fahmy case, end quote. I mean, this was huge back there, of course, because it's, it's Fahmy's home country.
1: That's an interesting change that I never thought of. We never run out of newspapers anymore. Yeah. Because Nobody's online. buying them. <laughs> you
0: know, because
1: nobody's buying them. But, you know, just anybody can have access to the news that they want just by going online.
0: Yeah, but back then, if there was a big case that was, was making the, the newspapers popular, you'd run the chance of if you didn't get to the newsstand soon enough, you wouldn't be able to get one. Yeah. Or a- apparently people running around and selling them for super high prices. <laughs> like So sort of like newspaper profiteering. And so, yeah, there's a medical officer at Holloway Prison who found three abrasions on the back of Marguerite's neck. And so the lawyers use that to say that uh, Fami tried to strangle her. And she did take the stand, which it's I've been listening to a lot of true crime Podcasts that involve court lately?
1: Yeah, you. It's probably best that you don't take the stand. Yeah,
0: it's very rare that you have somebody take the stand. It always perks my interest because I'm like, "Ooh, mm-hmm. this is special. This is new." Just
1: sit back, keep your mouth shut, and let the professionals do their job. Yeah,
0: exactly. So, so that's OJ. <laughs> that's when she uh, describes the 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 servant who saw her uh, while she was dressing and or while she was undressed. And explain, you know, her her husband's position on her humanity relative to the servant's humanity, which in his eyes, basically, nobody has any, apparently. Uh, and the uh, Sir Edward Marshall Hall reenacted the murder with the actual murder weapon. Gotta love this. He was
1: hunched over, snarling. He's like, like, just imagine a lawyer, like, hunched over. And then the Egypt, actually, they, did, they didn't call him Egyptian. They called him... Oriental.
0: Yes, yes. There was a lot of racism, both yes. covert and overt, throughout this case. And that was intentional. That yes. was done for a
1: reason. Yes. So he's hunched over. He's snarling and he's hissing. and I, <laughs> I'm the pyramids. He's <laughs> saying all sorts of weird stuff. He fucking drops the gun. Yes.
0: yes. <laughs> he drops
1: the gun accidentally. The jury is stunned mm-hmm. at this point. And he, like, claims later on, no, this was an accident. But apparently that caused, like, quite the...
0: It made the impression on the jury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really because did. they basically got the idea, oh, that's how she could have gotten the gun from him. Mm-hmm. Because that was their story, was that uh, Ali Fami was threatening her and that she she actually wrestled it away from him. But it, it makes even more sense. It seems even more logical if he dropped it. Yeah. And so, but the prosecution... Not allowed to cross-examine her. Interestingly, and we'll get to the reasons behind that very shortly. But maybe
1: it was because the prosecution was named Percival.
0: Yeah, that might have had something to do with it. But there is more to it than that.
1: I'm sorry to all the Percivals out there, but if your name's Percival, change it.
0: Yeah, somehow Percy doesn't sound too bad to me. No, it
1: doesn't. But Percival,
0: yeah.
1: Percival is a snooty little bastard that just eats cucumber sandwiches with the crust removed and with his pinky extended.
0: Yes. So the prosecution did hire a private investigator. and that, that P.I. dug into her life back in France. And then the prosecution said she, from this information they gleaned from the P.I., she, quote, "...is addicted or was addicted to committing certain offenses with other women, and it would seem that there is nothing that goes on in such surroundings as she has been moving in Paris." that she would not be quite well acquainted with. So they're basically saying, she did it all! <laughs> like, upside down, right side up, backwards, frontwards. <laughs> Reverse cowgirl.
1: <laughs> and they're probably not wrong.
0: <laughs> they're probably not wrong, yeah. And, yeah, the judge... And that's all I have of, of testimony type stuff. Do you have any more testimony no, I don't have, before I get the judge? I don't
1: okay. have anything else.
0: All right, so the judge, before his summing up... And keep in mind, we've, we've talked a little bit about this before, how it seems like... Judges are able to basically be more editorially minded in their, you know, both before summing up and during summing up. And he's basically referring to all the women in the, in the courtroom who Sarah uh, Hall had tried to get out of there saying like, you know, if, if women choose to come here to hear this case, they must take the consequences. Nobody left. The judge is like, quote, I'm going to try the British accent again. I'm oh, really I'm shooting for the moon trying to do, do twice it. in one, twice in one show. You can do it. These things are horrible. No, nope. These things are horrible. They are... Nope, nope. It's horrible. It's bad. It's bad. It's bad. I,
1: I think you're trying to roll the R in horrible. I am horrible. trying to roll the R. I roll so the R. I don't know why. These things are horrible.
0: These things are horrible. They are disgusting. How anyone could listen to these things who is not bound to listen to them passes comprehension.
1: Ringing the doorbell. <laughs>
0: oh, shit, what even is that? <laughs> we don't want to know. And be- I
1: think some of you do.
0: During his summing up, Google, Google's your friend. Scott's not.
1: No, 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 no. Message me. Just
0: keep that finger over there. Over me- there. It's me- making me uncomfortable. Me- <laughs> message me.
1: Just oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com. The-
0: shit. It's on my phone. I get those emails. <laughs> so during the summing With up. Send pictures. During the actual. <laughs> oh. During the actual summing up, the judge says. We in this country put No, shit. Why do I want to roll the R's all of a sudden? (laughs) We in this country put our women... I'm just going to do it normal. We in this country put our women on a pedestal. In Egypt, they have not the same views. And there was a lot of slamming Egypt all over the place. I mean were britain's views very they said we put our women on a pedestal but they also crushed them under their feet at the same time yeah. so you know it, it seems like it's... You know, we had a more
1: pleasant oppression of women
0: yeah basically it, it, it seems to be how it is but this the oppression is still there pleasant or otherwise yeah. oppression is oppression whether it's oppression with tea and biscuits or you know oppression with pyramids that sounds really reductive of, of countries, but uh, it's, it's kind of, I can't name everything a country has. <laughs>
1: <laughs> they've also got the Sphinx.
0: Yes, yes. they've Oppression with the Sphinx. That's our new podcast. Although
1: I <laughs> don't believe the Egyptians built the Sphinx.
0: Oh, we're not going to get into that today. <laughs> You want to so badly, don't you? You're having a really hard time.
1: Absolutely. So so much so.
0: I'm sure we'll get back to Egypt sometime.
1: Someday. So
0: the jury goes to deliberate one hour. And they acquit her on self-defense grounds on September 14th, 1923. And you might be wondering, you sitting there might be wondering, well, they had all these witnesses to the fight. She threatened violence against him and she threatened it first. You know, how did she end up getting acquitted? Well let's rewind a little bit. Back, 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 back to Prince Edward the mm-hmm. Eighth and the letters. Basically, there's speculation that she's on trial here, and the royal family knows she's on trial. They don't want those letters getting out. So there's the again, this is still speculation, but as far as I know, a deal made with the court that there were not able to bring up her past so the prosecution could not talk about her past so Edward doesn't get mentioned and that they would basically present Fahmy as a horrible person with some racism thrown in there and in return she hands over the letters and she'll have a a, a shot you know basically at at avoiding the gallows and she does. Mm -hmm. She avoids the gallows that way so uh, having a prince in your pocket or, or having his letters in your pocket can come in handy and I wondered if she did it in London on purpose. She knew she couldn't divorce him. Yeah. She'd been sleeping with that that as far as I know, she'd been sleeping with that pistol under her pillow for a while. Is a 30 Browning 32 a pistol? I don't. I think yes. so. Yes, okay.
1: I only know this because there's a Transformer of that course. changes into a Browning 32. Of
0: course that's why you know that.
1: His name's Browning. <laughs> they weren't all winners. We couldn't all be Megatron <laughs> and Optimus Prime.
0: Right. So. Basically, my thinking is she knew that she'd have the best shot in England because she had those letters or at least the threat of them, if if not, the, the, you know, the physical letters themselves. And she was like, well, my only way of getting out is killing him. Mm-hmm. Either he goes or I go. And I'm not going. So I best may as well do it here. And you know, if she'd done it in Egypt. Oh, oh no, no. She
1: would have probably been stoned.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She wouldn't have made it past the first night after the no. murder. No. No. So, the aftermath of her life after this, she goes back to Paris. She tries to get Fami's inheritance, uh, but he had no will. Kind of short-sighted, dude. Mm-hmm. And she's not able to. She even says that... To be she, fair, he was only in
1: his mid-twenties.
0: That is true, but you're rich as hell. You can afford a lawyer. That's well, true. Well, you know, like in between trips down the Nile on your speedboat where you disrupt everybody else's day, you can stop at a lawyer. Just I just couldn't saying. help
1: but notice as you were drowning... That you seem to have a briefcase with papers. Are you a lawyer? Can you draw me up a bit?
0: Your Egyptian is somehow like Mexican Christopher Walken.
1: Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going for. <laughs>
0: okay, Aren't
1: Egyptians just Mexican I'm, Christopher Walken? I'm glad
0: that Is I... that
1: a weird stereotype to have?
0: It's a super weird stereotype to have. <laughs> She tries this scheme where she says that she was pregnant with Bami's child and they had a son. I don't know where she was planning on grabbing up a kid, but who knows. So, you know, like, he should get the inheritance and that failed. And everybody just kind of, like, laughed at her. She ended up having a few bit parts in movies. Yes,
1: a few minor, minor French films.
0: At one point she played the role of... An Egyptian wife.
1: Oh, dear.
0: Yes. And she, then, she was
1: studying for that one hard.
0: Yeah, she was a method. She was super method. Very <laughs> method. And then she basically receded from public life at the age of 80 on January 2nd, 1971. She died. Yeah. Just kind of quietly. And then her grandson discovered how she'd been living. Five marriages total, so five divorce settlements funded her life. Wow. Funded many years of her life, the next uh, you know, 50-ish years of her life.
1: I'm going to have to get divorced again. I, I apparently did it wrong. I could have been set <laughs> I for life. so, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so let's see, I'm behind on two, so that'll make seven divorces, and then I can quit my job. <laughs> Some, Is that the way it works? I some, think that's the way it works. I, I think for some women it does. I don't think for men it really works that way. I it don't, doesn't
0: really work that way for most women these days I either.
1: I don't know of many men that get alimony.
0: Alimony isn't really even it's it's very rare these days, I think. Wow. Yeah. It's super rare. I, I I can't remember the last time I heard even anyone even say, you know, alimony. I don't know, um, but you know, I could be wrong. maybe there's you know tons of women getting alimony. I'm not going to do the research because I don't care. <laughs> Scott can do the research
1: uh, so, I don't think I'm going to get alimony.
0: That is uh, Scott's chances of getting alimony, and Madame Fami, Marguerite Alibert the uh, the sex worker who made it work) <laughs> <laughs>
1: Somebody put that on a bumper sticker.
0: Yeah, that's a t-shirt for you. Walk, walk around wearing that. See see how that goes for you at the grocery store. The PTA meetings are going to be
1: great. <laughs> yes,
0: absolutely.
1: Uh, you got any big plans this week, bud?
0: Uh, we've got the Halloween party, which oh. you, uh, you saw the legs when you came in. Yes. I can say this now because this won't be published until after the party. Well, we've had frustratingly, so frustratingly, um, our uh, entryway, foyer, if we want to get fancy, which we're trying to make it fancier than it was, we've been trying to renovate it. And as you know, we discovered a leak in the roof, so we have a hole in the ceiling, so that means we can't put up the new ceiling that we got, we can't put up the crown molding. It's basically, we're, we're on complete hold with that project until the leak gets fixed, which they came, spent an entire day working on the roof, six or seven hours working on the roof, and then the next day there was a, not a leak in that spot, but there was a leak about an inch and a half to the left of it, so I have no don't, idea what the hell's going on. Tony me, flex seal. Yeah, who knows? So And so um, what we decided was we're going to make the best of it. Uh, Halloween is coming up. We're having our Halloween party. There's a hole in our ceiling right where people walk in. And our good friend Beast has a pair of mannequin legs that she got when a department store closed and used to scare the crap out of us when so we came home from vacation. And after a week of pranks... Um, while they were feeding the ducks or, you know, putting the ducks to bed and they kept sending us pictures of somebody, you know, like you'd see somebody just off to the side and they'd be wearing like a demon mask or whatever. So after a week of that we came home, there was a tree that had fallen while we were gone and those legs were sticking out from the tree. I almost had a heart attack. I almost have a heart attack every time I walk into my house now because those legs are laying in, in the entryway with two pumpkins that we haven't carved yet next to them. So those legs are going to be hanging from the hole in the ceiling. I
1: like that. And
0: I'm going to set up a camera to watch people's reactions because I, I think it's going to be priceless or it'll serve as evidence in the in civil suit when somebody has a heart attack and sues me. Right on. <laughs> So either way, it works for me, it works for them. Nice. How about you? What you got going? Uh,
1: like I'm going to do what I can to, like, battle this little seasonal depression that I have.
0: Yes, I hope you can get past this. I know I, it's rough.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, I can. So, uh, the very first thing I'm going to do, you've got to set yourself small goals whenever you're getting to this. Uh, that ketchup bottle that I knocked onto the ground three days ago and just I was been too depressed to pick it Aww. up, I am going to pick that up. That's going to be my first step. There you go. And I'm going to force myself to do some things that I know are fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, whenever I get this way, whenever and I've been this way for probably about five days now, mm-hmm. whenever I get this way, I actually force to myself to do stuff that I know I enjoy doing regularly. So... I'm just trying to kick that back in. Uh, And I, I think that's important for anybody who is battling depression. Do stuff that you know makes you happy even if you don't feel happy on some level on some level it's working in there
0: exactly the, yeah. the self care is, is very important and it can be hard to even do those things you enjoy because you're terrified that you're not going to enjoy them but at the very like you know that depression now it mm-hmm. how it seems, t- tends to dampen you know any enjoyment of things but at the very least try and if it doesn't work try something else you know if, if reading a book doesn't work out for you then you know like rock out to some podcasts if that doesn't work out for you then do a hobby you know stuff like that just just working your way through until you find something. Something that at least that lifts the gloom a little bit. No,
1: I have been I've been doing several at once. I have been painting while listening to podcasts. There you go. Yes. In my Transformers room. <laughs> nice. So yes. I do I, have... I do
0: everything while listening to podcasts, I fair oh, I cross stitch, I I do chores, I, I do laundry, I yeah, I, I get ready for you know, I I do my hair and makeup when I'm getting ready for school or to go out. Any I'm in the shower with podcasts. Podcasts follow me everywhere.
1: Now, what are some of your favorite podcasts?
0: Oh, goodness. Um, I've been really enjoying the Dateline has podcast now. Oh, my gosh. Oh. I, I
1: listened to the one that you suggest, The Trouble with Pam, or The Thing About the Pam. The Thing About Pam, which oh, Jackson my. likes
0: to call Something About Mary. Oh, <laughs> God, that
1: was great. Wasn't
0: that amazing? That was fantastic.
1: Oh, God, I love it. Thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That bad. <laughs> you gotta love Keith Morrison. It's he is the king. I said. So creepy. I said on Twitter, like, I want him to narr- narrate my life without the, the you know like mysterious death. I could, mm-hmm. I could do without that. But just narrate my life as I'm walking around. And now, no, you do a better impression. You do something. No, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> Bill Hader does the best impression.
0: Of oh, Keith yeah. Oh, Morrison. absolutely. Yes, yes. It's fantastic. Oh, another one I listened to lately is uh, the RFK tapes.
1: I love Robert F. Kennedy.
0: Yes! There's, oh, my God! There's a
1: bit of a mystery that nobody talks about. Like, everybody talks about like his assassination and Sirhan Sirhan. But there's a bit of a mystery that nobody talks about with RFK. He was an asshole. He was a straight-up jerk. JFK kept him around but didn't really like him. And then something happened and he became one of the most caring men in the world and nobody knows what hmm,
0: happened. I wonder what it was. Yeah.
1: And if you want a speech that'll give you chills, listen to the speech that RFK made in Indiana the night Martin Luther King got was assassinated. Yeah,
0: it was actually Indianapolis. Indianapolis. Yeah. And he actually had to announce it to the, the crowd who had all gathered there to hear him talk, who to hear RFK talk, and yeah. they didn't know.
1: And they were the majority of them were black.
0: Yes. And so you would... Honestly, if somebody that I looked up to and adored um, and and who was working to, to give me more rights, uh, if they were killed way before their time in, in a brutal fashion and unnecessarily, I'd fucking riot. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be out on the streets. Yeah, yeah, sure, I'll burn some shit. Yeah. <laughs> so. RFK
1: is credited with... Keeping people alive in Indianapolis that night. This speech that RFK gave should be memorized right along with the I Have a Dream speech and right along with the Gettysburg Address. I believe it is one of the most important speeches ever given in America.
0: It was a really incredible, yeah. They incorporated that. They talked to a speechwriter, actually. A speechwriter, mm-hmm. uh, because when they found out that the, uh, Martin Luther King had died... Uh, his speechwriter raced to get to the scene where he was going to be. RFK was going to be giving the speech, and he was like writing up little notes and everything. And according to the speechwriter, he went to hand the notes to to Robert F. Kennedy, and Robert F. Kennedy was like, "No, I don't need them. He he had yeah. what he wanted to say. He knew exactly what he wanted to say, and he, he knew he knew, you know, it was going to be rough announcing this, you know, like the, the beloved icon. Had had died in such a brutal fashion, and and he managed to make it a moment of humanity. Yeah, and and it's I, really I, incredible.
1: I you and you can really feel that emotion whenever he says, you know, you see my brother was murdered. Exactly. Yeah. And everybody there has seen the Zapruder film at this point. You know, they know. Okay, this guy knows what he's talking about.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's you a know. lot of poignant moments in this podcast. Um, and a lot of just feeling like you're being, if you're like me and you you have a hard time making decisions, (laughs) <laughs> I just felt like I was being whipped back and forth. And I think that the host of the podcast did too, the author of it, because he's just like, he at first he, he's kind of like in with the conspiracy theories and then he's like, oh, maybe not. And he kind of like goes back and forth. And it, so, yeah, it was really, really interesting. I, I enjoyed that. It really kept my attention. So. Nice. How about you? What are you listening to?
1: Uh, I do the What If podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah, What I If love, is excellent. Yeah. I love What If. Uh, I love older episodes of Blurry Photos. Trying to
0: make sure I don't have anything else to
1: recommend. Blurry Photos. It still is a good podcast, but I prefer the older whenever Dave and Dave were on there as opposed to being just Dave. Um, So, yeah. But still is a good podcast. Last podcast on the left I enjoy as well. There is a great podcast called Expanded Perspectives Hmm. that is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. It's Cam and Kyle, two two boys from Texas, and they got these thick southern accents. And unfortunately, there is a stereotype whenever somebody speaks with this type of accent yeah. right here. And uh, and they are two of the most intelligent men that you will ever hear in your life, but they just play it down. You look like you're about to giggle your butt off.
0: I'm just scrolling through my my new episodes for this week and in Spotify, and ParCast has had a, a Halloween series they've been doing. And uh oh, season season two Halloween Professor Margaret Murray witchcraft.
1: <laughs> what is
0: this rectangle you hold in your hand It
1: gives pictures, and noises, and sounds, and you can speak to other people in other parts of the
0: world? Burn her. <laughs> that is excellent. Uh, I think that's a good note. And I think
1: uh, so. I'm going to go home and listen to that.
0: Yes. I would like to remind our listeners about our giveaway. We are giving away old-timey, crimey stickers. And these stickers, they might be sort of a collector's item because this is going to be probably the only batch with this particular logo on it because we're about to have a new logo in a little while. We've got one in the works. We took the reference photos for it tonight. It's going to be so cool. I'm so excited. So, yeah, uh, send us your creepy stranger stories. I almost said photos. <laughs>
1: too. Or you can send us, th- if your creepy stranger allows you to take photos of him, please do.
0: Or if you're a creepy stranger, send, no, don't send it. No, no, don't, don't, don't send don't, the photos. Don't. But send them to this Old This is, ti-
1: this is Christy in the shower. <laughs> How did
0: you get <laughs> oh, that? Oh. at gmail.com. This goes until November 29th. Uh, we would love to get your stories and uh, and we might read them on the air too. You can make it anonymous if you want whatever uh, so you know just specify whether you want your name or whether you want to be anonymous or fake names, whatever we don't care um but yeah we we would love to hear those and you will get a sticker. We will pick ten names out of a hat or out of uh, some sort of object, probably a hat. I have lots of hats and yeah, so please please send us those. We would love to hear from you and we also have. Our Patreon, that is patreon.com slash oldtimeycrimey. And you can go, you can be a uh, gumshoe. You can be a, oh my gosh, I'm forgetting the levels.
1: Flatfoot, Flatfoot. gumshoe, and private dick. Thank
0: you. A private dick. And uh, yeah, so please uh, visit our Patreon and see what we've got there. We, again, uh, we're going to be doing some shifting, but we haven't gotten around to it yet. I, busy, wanted to okay? have,
1: I wanted to have a tier called doorbell ringer, but Christy would not <laughs> let me.
0: Nope. Nope. Shut that down real quick. So yeah. And if you're not the type to do the monthly thing, if that's not your deal, that's cool. Oldtimeycrummy at gmail.com through PayPal. We're all set up. You can just send us a one time donation and we will, what did we decide? We'll just say your name on the air and like a, you know, a, a, a bad accent or a horrible singing, something along those lines. Yeah. yeah. Let's do that. And don't forget about our social media. We've been having a great time on there, uh, showing pictures, you know, related to cases or just random things that pop up. Uh, We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit, old-timey-crimey, and all the places. I think for once I actually got everything. I think so. Yes.
1: Please, (laughs) please. Let your friends know about this as well.
0: Reviews, reviews, reviews. Re- rate <laughs> us and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts uh, or Stitcher. Follow us anywhere else or re- rate and review. if Anywhere you can do that, please do that. We would love that. But, yeah, we're seeing those numbers grow. It's super fun. We love that you guys like this because we like it.
1: Yeah, we really do. We really, really do. Definitely the the bright spot the bright spot the
0: bright spot of my week is the bright spot of my week. Is, of my week.
1: <laughs> it's the bright spot of my week, without a doubt. Yes. I, I love doing this. I look forward to doing this. I am so far ahead in notes. He <laughs> it is, it's crazy. I I've got the Pauline Picard case, uh, the Albert Johnson case. Already done. The notes are done for them and folders saved and i've watched movies oh my
0: god Charles
1: bronson you dick
0: he's gonna destroy me in research because he's had like a month lead up time i mean i could do the same thing i could pick my weeks a week a month early too i guess oh oh so thank you so much for listening we really appreciate it thank you for joining us and remember just you know if you have letters from a prince maybe keep those around yeah
1: so. Or, you know, President Trump or anything like that.
0: Yeah, really. Anything from any 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 sort of you know, person that you could you could use that to later get out of a murder case. <laughs> he
1: doesn't know how to read, I'm kidding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. We love you guys. Thank you so much. We will see you next week, or you will hear us next week. When, yeah, whatever. We can see you. We can see you.
1: Bye.
0: <laughs> My sources this week are Rachel Sowerby, uh, an article on Medium.com, uh, The Perfect Murder from Royalty Magazine mm, fancy. Robert, I know. Robert Wilson, a royal scandal in the Sydney Morning Herald, Maud Yakabusov on Murderpedia, Rob Baker, uh, another nickel in the machine, and doctor Unen Labib Rizik uh, from RM.org.eg.
1: This is weird, because we hit a lot of the same ones. Oh, really? (laughs) Yes, my sources are, of course, wikipedia.org, murderpedia.org, crimerack.com, nickelinthemachine.com, and arum.org.eg. There you go. Great minds think alike, (laughs) and so do ours.